and welcome to another thrilling episode of Scotland's Choice, a Westminster Roundup. With me, Brendan O'Hara MP, and me, Drew Hendry MP. Well, we've um, Brendan, we've got quite a, a packed podcast. It's been packed. It, there's huge, there's huge stuff happening. One of the big things, of course, I think everybody's talking about just now, whether you like it or not. It's, I know it divides some people. You know, some people have very strong views on it, but I think everybody will be glued to their TV sets for the big global event that's uh, happening in England next week. I mean, you know, it is it is a huge thing, and I, I know yeah. you're you're really interested in this. Yeah, as it, it, it is one of my. I don't secret shame with with call it yeah. they call it thing guilty pleasures you know I, I can't get enough of it and uh, secretly I am really really looking forward to it and I think I, you know everybody's kind of like really hooked on this so I think you know the fact that Eurovision is going to be going to Liverpool next week and they'll be there I think it's absolutely fantastic I think yeah. we'll all be looking forward to it oh yeah it'll be a belter I'm at, uh, yeah. my only regret is it's not in it's not in Glasgow. Indeed, indeed. It should have, tried it should have been, and it could have been better, isn't it? And, uh, and of course, there's a coronation going on uh, next week, so we'll be talking about the, uh, the what's been happening down at Westminster in terms of around that as well. It's been, it's been frantic, mostly outside as they're uh, closing the roads and building scaffolding and doing all sorts. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting to just see how the city has. Exactly. Try to accommodate it. Exactly. So, but business has gone on here. Business is steaming on as always. Um, again, could we record this on a Wednesday afternoon? We're just not long out of PMQs, and 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 yet again, like Stephen, absolutely nailed it. This is his PMQ. It was first class. And um, we'll have more of that later. We'll also be talking with our guests about the situation in Sudan and the emergency there, the crisis there, and of course the ongoing issues around Ukraine and the refugees, because that's an issue that keeps bubbling up every week uh, with that. Yeah, and obviously the story which seems to be dominating every Scottish newspaper, do we, don't we, will we, won't we, well, turns out we do. We've got auditors. No. <laughs> Who would have thought that I'd have made a headline? SNP have auditors. And, and it's it's been taken away from one of the, some of the big stories that really affect people. I well, I mean, keeping it local for folk like ourselves, you know, the sort of loss of rural services and, uh, to, to our communities and the, the highlands and highlands of Scotland is a huge issue. And, and, of, about. and of course, there's, you know, the English elections uh, in the coming week, well, in fact, in, tomorrow, I think, in the, the uh, English Council elections as we're recording this on the Wednesday, and, uh, and voter ID will be used in that election. And they've also got the anti-protest laws which are affecting people. Yeah, who really it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see what happens with those voter ID laws, you know, you, you sometimes, depending on, on how what the turnout is, you know, will it be a democratic disaster or mission accomplished for the Tories? Indeed. So, well, let's meet our guests. We have dominated this too long. So we are absolutely delighted to be joined by two colleagues. I'm Deirdre Brock. I'm MP for Edinburgh North and Leith. And I'm Owen Thompson. I'm not the MP for Edinburgh North Leith. I'm the MP for Midlothian. Now, uh, Deirdre, yeah, thank and Owen, thanks for joining us. I mean, we, um, we we've started recently just to try and find out, dig a wee bit deeper, and find out more about some of our colleagues when we're doing this podcast. Because it's you know we, we spend a lot of time together, and sometimes it's good that we find things out. Sometimes things we find out things that are surprising. And, and Deirdre, you're a doyen of the sale rooms, aren't you? <laughs> Yes, I um, I do like the occasional auction when I can get out and uh, and and get to them. But um, yeah, I just like buying old 
junk really and then hopefully trying to fix it up that's one of my things I really what we enjoy. really know about old things what's either the latest thing you've bought or your most exciting purchase oh, gosh that's tough um well I also like just going into secondhand shops and things like that yeah. too so oh, well. one of my best things was up in the highlands actually you know my parents and all live up there and it was a secondhand shop now sadly closed down and i just saw something out of the corner of my eye and i went i had that and it was three quid and i just liked the look of it but it was actually um a bernard moore pottery i mean it's not hugely expensive but you know like 100 and something and I, it was just such a random purchase. I just saw it like the shape of it, went, yeah, I'll have that. And so that was... Nice one. When, yeah. Kind of so. explains why they're out of business. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bargain hunt I, I, and I. Well, he was, you know, you'd go right around the highlands mm -hmm. picking up things from all sorts of houses, so you just didn't yeah. know what you'd find. If and what, what's the biggest, what's the thing that you you went for or you saw being lost and oh. uh, into the ether? They're always it? the ones you remember, actually. Yeah. It's funny, you don't really remember the things that you, you, you do manage to get, but I always remember back in Sydney, actually, so it was like 30 years ago, and I was showing my girlfriend to the auctions for the first time, and we were going around, and there was this beautiful, I mean, it wasn't expensive, but arts and crafts clock, and I got so caught up with telling her about this and looking at other stuff that I forgot to put a bid down on it, and it went, and it was... <gasps> That was, I still remember that one. Oh, so, so no such problems for uh, throwing, though, because uh, you, you like, you obviously have a very methodical point of view, and you like putting things together, and, yeah. and, uh, uh, and you've got a, a, a pen shown for, uh, for something that's a bit unusual, but I totally understand it if you're going to, mm -hmm. something to concentrate on when you switch off. Yeah, you know, sometimes you get, you can be just swamped with stuff in this place, and you get in at night, it can have been a very, very long day. You just want something to shut off your brain a bit and over the pandemic uh, it was kind of where I probably first reacquainted myself uh, with this uh, particular hobby but yeah I really really enjoy building Lego and the, uh, the particularly Star Wars Lego has to be said as a massive <laughs> Star Wars fan but yeah it's and, just and these, these models are not like people might anybody playing mm -hmm. with the Lego and they're building rehouses yeah. and things like that it's not like that these are quite complex models well, they're, they're highly yeah, complex yeah. I mean I think in the way that computer games have kind of shifted mm -hmm. from being for kids and they've the developers have recognised that the market there is actually people in their 30s and 40s because they've got a bit more disposable income than, right. than children. <laughs> Lego have done the same and they've got a number of sets that are targeted at over 18s. Yeah. They're, they're adult-made sets in the first one. My mum got me the first one, uh, I think, at a birthday or Christmas during lockdown and it was a Darth Vader helmet. And it's really, really <laughs> intricate, but it, it's, it's, it's brilliant. I've, I've now been banned from having any uh, in, more in the house at home uh, in one head, um, which is why I now have uh, some down here that I've brought and I've uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just to be able to just sit and spend a bit of time because you don't need a lot of time you yeah, can just yeah. pick up the wee bits of time where you've got to do another wee bit and just relax yeah. and you yeah. find a wee state of Legos yeah, well, my, my, my only regret is this isn't an episode of the psychiatrist <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to dig into that it's brilliant but oh, I highly recommend it well, yeah. well maybe a subject for another podcast in a different format later but obviously putting things together we've witnessed a lot of that here at Westminster over the past few while because they're getting ready for the coronation mm -hmm. uh, here mm -hmm. and uh, yeah I mean it's I think I saw the golden speaker's golden coach being crated up yesterday it was massive there were I had about 10 people just trying to put the crate around this thing yeah. yesterday it's been it's been quite a, a thing to yeah. witness isn't it <laughs> I speak to a colleague Amy Callahan uh, this morning 
And uh, she looked really tired, but I said, you're right. She said, I've been up since half past three. A marching band came under my window at half past three this morning yes. on a rehearsal walkthrough. Aye, aye. So, they've been practising till like 6am, like overnight. They've been doing all of this work. Um, I, I was going out here last night at back of nine and had to stop in the, out in the street outside because there was uh, two marching bands going past. They stopped just enough time to let people cross the roads and the next ones came mm -hmm. yeah. and sort of got something to eat and at 11 o'clock there was still pipe bands going past. Oh, it was yeah. just an end with, I think it was a full rehearsal yeah. 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 through yeah. the night. I mean, it's good it they do it wild. at a time where it doesn't yeah. Yeah. get in the way of everyone, but, but it's weird, hard on the... It's weird coming out of here, as you say, nine ten o'clock at night and the streets yeah. are absolutely thronged with Shock tourists yeah. and yeah, yeah. there's bands marching up and down and there's yeah. scaffolding going up and there's television oh, cameras yeah. getting erected. Yeah. It's just yeah. mad. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. And it, 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 you know, obviously we don't know what their costs are. We, we, in the uh, Commons earlier, we, we had Tom Tugendhat, who's the security uh, minister of the, mm -hmm. for the UK government. He, I know he was asked on TV what the security was costing. I don't think he wanted to talk mm. about that. So it's perhaps something for another day we'll find out what the costs were but um you know the here in westminster um particularly on a wednesday we have pmqs and uh we had our group leader uh stephen flynn uh, and, leading the charge and, indeed we did and it was uh i mean yet again it's that uh you know he just gets it mm -hmm. i know stammer gets six questions and you know i don't want to be rude or offensive but honestly change like, for you yeah, yeah, but okay, I don't want to be rude and offensive on air. But um, again, it's that, it's like watching the air coming out of a balloon. Mm -hmm. It's just dull and he doesn't get to the point and he sort of beats about the bush and you think, oh my goodness, you know, six questions in, it feels like 60 questions in. And Stephen gets to his feet he does these very short, pithy yeah. questions mm. and he nails it every time and yeah. he did it again today. And yeah. this time, what he, what he brilliantly did was he he got all three British opposition, uh, all three British parties, the government and the Labour and the Lib Dems, wrapped up into this whole um, tuition fee mm. debate because, mm. yet again, Starmer has... Was rode back spectacularly, indeed, which I don't think is going down too well with other members of his uh, party or indeed his uh, shadow cabinet. Certainly not by the look of the faces on the, the benches behind him today. <laughs> when Stephen asked his question, it was they were not happy. Oh, I know, I saw that. And also, I didn't think there was much of a cheer for Stanley when he came in. I didn't even notice. I mean, there was a big one for Sunak. I mean, all the Tories were kind of built yeah. up. It's feel very, very, flat. very flat in yeah. the Labour benches. And, and no wonder we that. Angela Rayner, you know, just before the 2019 election, she had this tweet that said, it's been nine years since the Lib Dems betrayed students over tuition fees. Oh. Don't let them fool you again. Labour will be different. We have pledged to abolish tuition fees. We mean it. I will be honoured to deliver this pledge in a Labour government. I write. <laughs> but it's not so basically. you will. But it's not the first Gosh, thing. Yeah. It's yeah. not the first thing that they've uh, they've abandoned promises on, is it? No, I mean, and it seems to be this consistent line from Labour at the moment that under Stammer they're doing. It appears everything they possibly can to align themselves to the Tories. They are doing it in terms of tuition fees now. They've done it on small boats, so languages are a bit nicer. Yeah. But effectively, they're saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just over and over and over again, the mm -hmm. Labour Party consistently yeah. aligning themselves with the Tories to try and win a vote in, well, middle England, the Red Wall seats. Mm -hmm. 
and I have to say, for not for viewers in Scotland, I guess, because it's mm -hmm. completely detached from outlook mm -hmm. in Scotland, but the Scottish Labour Party have no say in it. They're no. simply getting a direction. Yeah. And, and, and when we come to things like picket lines, uh, here, Drew, you know, yeah. you've seen this instruction come out from Keir Starmer. I don't think that's going to do down too well with unions. No. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I ran into a Labour MP, this a few months ago, actually, you know, the last time these things were being discussed with yeah. Labour. And he had joined a picket line in defiance of mm -hmm. what was then uh, the instruction from the from the Labour front bench team. And he was saying he a, never spoke to Starmer. He didn't think mm -hmm. he'd spoken to Starmer since he'd become a leader. Mm -hmm. um, and also he was like, well, you know, we're a Labour Party. You know, this is mm -hmm. what we should be doing. Mm -hmm. And Starmer was, and I mean, he's just... It's just that Tory light mm -hmm. uh, impression you get from Starmer, which I find really objectionable in a, in a, yeah. a Labour Party. Oh, and do we need two Tory parties in Scotland? We certainly don't. We don't need one, let alone two of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, we, we clearly see Scottish Labour have no backbone and won't stand mm -hmm. up, and they're just rolling over and doing everything they're told. Yes, uh, we see that. That, that that's obvious. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I think we saw that in the, the GRR debate where yeah. they, they had voted on it, and Samar took mm -hmm. a position, and immediately they, they backed where yeah. he was at. So, yeah. um, I think it's it's the last thing Scotland needs is yet another unionist Tory. Party. Yeah, but I mean, and also, that's effectively what we've got. There's yeah. also this increasingly untenable position they're adopting on, or what they've adopted on Brexit. Yeah. I mean, that's just, where on earth are they on that? Where is the Scottish uh, branch of the Labour Party on this? I mean, Sarwood seems, his, his um, position seems to be just staying quiet, saying storm. Yeah. Uh, and not getting caught out, mm -hmm. and, uh, and and maybe he thinks that's going to win the next election. Well, they're, they're now pro Brexit. I mean, it, you know, Brendan was just yeah. talking about the, you know, the, the three parties: Labour, Lib Dems, and the Tories. Mm -hmm. They're all now effectively pro Brexit because they've all said they wouldn't seek to rejoin the EU. In fact, they've gone further: not into the single market, not into the uh, the, the customs Custom union. union. Yeah. You know, they're, they're just absolutely saying they're wedded to this Brexit ideology. We see it. Every, every week, you know, yeah. figures coming out showing how much harm it's doing. I mean, this is, and it's just, it's effectively, again, it's the same language that we're using with minor tweaks. Instead of get Brexit done, it's make Brexit work. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's just rubbish. not realistic to think yeah. that that's even possible. Exactly. Yeah. But they're going to spout it, they're going to over and over, mm -hmm. yeah. and they're leading folk up a garden path yeah. that is just indeliverable. Yeah. 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 But there's this whole thing that he, that he did, you know, it says 10 pledges on all sorts. Yes. And, and, yeah. and, and, and you do wonder at what point will the Labour Party say to itself, we're in grave danger here of being that party who the public recognises mm -hmm. being the party who will tell you whatever you want to hear, but will do exactly what it yeah. wants to do for it. You get yeah. approaches any of your near power. Yeah. And it's, it's not a good place. It's not a good place to be. I mean, politics, okay, everybody's guilty of that kind of thing for a Mm. You know, to a greater or lesser extent, but when it becomes who you are, yeah. how can you expect to win? How yeah. can you expect people to believe you or trust you? I mean, look at you know the, the, the commitment to public ownership. Oh, yeah. That was ripped up. Yeah. You know, yeah. the commitment to get rid of universal credit, all gone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like yeah. so there is nothing that they won't say to your face yeah. that they won't rip up the minute. I had a very interesting, interesting conversation with somebody on Friday just last week, kind of about this, and it was going. To, well, they were asking how is it going down here, or how are you dealing with this government, and you think the state of this government and all the scandals and things that they've had to deal with. Yeah. 
and said, oh, it's just, we've just got to count down until we can get rid of them, because ultimately we all want to see that happening. Mm. And this is somebody that I'm no fan of the Conservatives and who I would have naturally thought was probably more aligned mm. to Labour, and said, oh, it's just a pity there's no real opportunity to actually replace them. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was quite a striking comment for me, because I thought so, somebody who's so fundamentally opposed to the Tories just doesn't see this Labour mm. Party as any actual genuine change to what this government is. They're not. Yeah. That, I mean, and, the yeah. fact is that the, the, there is now, and I don't think there's even a fag paper between them. You know, used to well, say there's no differences. There's a fag paper right? between the policies. They're not the same right policies. I'm thinking they haven't. They, like they need a bigger swing mm. um, than Tony Blair's what '97, mm, yes. mm. um, and mm. so I can't see that happening because Blair, you know, <laughs> like him or loathe him, and. Obviously, <laughs> many of us mm -hmm. had a lot of problems with him. Mm -hmm. But at the time, he mm -hmm. was exciting and new uh -huh. and fresh and people were swept up in this feeling of hope and that change could happen. But he had a personality. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. But you're and right this... there because Blair, as you say, for all his numerous faults, mm -hmm. he caught the zeitgeist uh, and he yeah. offered something different. There was there was mm -hmm. an excitement and energy. Mm -hmm. There was there was good through the, yeah. the, the early nineties and he tapped into that whole culture around Britpop and yeah. he was young and you know, mm -hmm. dynamic. Starbucks get none of that. No. And I don't know who's advising them, but the idea that you can beat them by becoming them has been shown to fail so often yeah. that mm. it's, it's utterly bizarre. Mm. You know, mm. do something, mean something, say something, take a stand on something, mm. be controversial about something. Aye. Because at the, at the moment, the Labour Party are just drifting. And I think as they drift, I think the poles are drifting as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. slowly but surely yeah. Yeah. they're beginning to narrow because yeah. you know, why would you why would you vote for a pale imitation of yeah, the monsters that, that you have. And Sunak seems to be getting a lot more support. I mean, I read somewhere that he got something like 10 million quid in the last quarter. Um, donations. Yeah, again. Which part of the world um, did that come from? But, <laughs> but you know, so they're, they're yeah. on the up in terms of donations yeah. after yeah. dropping dramatically with yeah. his trust. Mm -hmm. um, and he's finding his feet at Prime Minister's questions as well, because there's no answers there, but he's... No he's got a, a better delivery uh -huh. than he did have when he started. So he's grown into it, where Stammer's just mm. yeah. not in the races. It's a parlous state for the, yeah. uh, for the official opposition here at mm. Westminster. And of Wait, course, there should be miles out. They, they should be. And, you know, we, we talked about, we touched on Brexit just a few minutes ago. And you, when you see the, the, all the polling shows mm -hmm. We're across all the nations in the UK now, people are thinking mm. Brexit was a big mistake, mm. and it just beggars belief that they can't even, with their polling, you know, take a, 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 a stand on that and say, no, no, it was it was wrong. We'll do yeah. something about it. But they yeah. can't mm. even bear to do that. So yeah. terrified are they of being less right wing. Um, and, and even if if Starmer did try to be Blair, mm -hmm. you know, and try and flip up that excitement and that vision thing, mm. you know. He, I think he would be okay. I think he would do it yeah. because he can, you know, he, he's shooting against an open goal at the moment, yeah. but somehow he's yeah. managing to miss that open goal. Yeah. I think yeah. it's bizarre. I really yeah, do. It is indeed. Yeah. Well, one of the other issues that's you know, down here at Westminster at the moment, you know, it, rumbling away in the background, terrifying for the people that are involved in it, is obviously the crisis in 
the conflict in Sudan at the moment. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, it's been quite depressing. I don't know what your feelings are. It's been quite depressing to uh, see the lessons from the Afghanistan withdrawal really happen. They say they've learned lessons, but yeah. so sluggish, uh, so uncaring. And what are your thoughts, Deirdre, about the fact that when they eventually got going, when they eventually got UK citizens to, and uh, people could, to go to these airstrips, that they had, what, 19 NHS doctors mm. who turned up and were refused to get on the plane from a cold plane zone, working in the the NHS in uh, in the UK, and they, uh, they refused to let them on. Oh, I know. I mean, it, you know, it's interesting. The FCDO questions was on yesterday, the Foreign Office and uh, Development, and... Um, it, one of the ministers was bragging about how they managed the mm. Sudanese operation. I just thought, really, really, I really wouldn't be doing that um, yeah. at this time when things are so uncertain and when things no. clearly haven't uh, yeah. gone as well as they might. I mean, it's you know, I'm fortunate in that uh, as of yet, no one's contacted me who's directly affected mm. by this. But you know, we are starting to get folk who have mm. dependents over mm -hmm. there, and of course, foreign office is only really. Mm -hmm dealing with people with British passports um, or, you know, visas. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we've got this dreadful worry where there are people with connections here mm -hmm. who still have folk over there. And it just feels like Afghan again, you know, they, like we, really Afghanistan. And, and there are no safe and legal routes. Oh, I mean, you no. know, they, they, the, the African minister admitted that <laughs> on TV on Channel 4. Oh, and then, uh, you yeah. know, the foreign secretary promised last week that they were going to be bringing out details, and yet they're still not doing that. And when we saw it, Prime Minister's questions when uh, Sunak was asked about it, he just tries to deflect by going on to small boats again. Yeah. You know, it's the culture wars, the only place they've got. And that, that, that's that's mm. the only landing spot. Yeah, I think mm. Caroline Lucas's question today mm. was very, very mm. good, very, very good. pointed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and as you say, he had nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's like almost a Pavlovian response when he mm -hmm. hears the words Sudan immigration, he goes immediately to stopping the boat, stopping his people smugglers. He will never address that crucial substantive issue which Stephen talked about last week about child refugees from Sudan coming here and Caroline brought up today about you know having a family visa scheme yeah. as we did for, for Ukraine yeah. and won't address it. And people people should sit down as we have with folk who've been in a crisis situation like yeah. you know in Afghanistan or Sudan yeah. okay. and look into their eyes and see um, you know, the absolute terror that people have yeah. uh, when they're there and the fear they have for their families. Yeah. You know, I've been at constituencies where folk have come to, at um, surgeries where people have been coming to see me and, you know, you can see the tears in their eyes as mm -hmm. they're trying to explain how desperate the yeah. situation yeah. is. Mm -hmm. And yet there's no compassion. And one of the other things I wanted to ask you about is the situation with existing Ukrainian refugees who obviously have got the right to enter and right to remain cards that are stamped up to 24. 2024, mm -hmm. but there's no real plan for what they're going yeah. to do now. It doesn't look like anybody's going to be able to return to Ukraine in a normal way for quite a considerable period mm -hmm. of time. Yeah. So, you know, there's no there's no, no attention down here as to how people plan ahead for the rest yeah. of their, their lives, or indeed, 
even for the next five years, you know, do they get jobs, do they get houses, do they get the, you know, what do they do next? It is a, it's a real deficit of this place, isn't it? It is, and I mean, I think too often in situations like this, as in so many others, this government were just asleep at the wheel. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we saw it in Afghanistan where they literally, well, Rab was on holiday mm -hmm. <laughs> at the time. Now, granted, at least this time around, the Foreign Secretary's been around, but yeah. yes, it's yeah. been suggested that others weren't actually in yes. in position as they should be mm -hmm. with such a, a crisis brewing. Uh, we relied on the Germans to secure an airbase. Mm -hmm. We relied on the Saudis to secure flights initially. Mm -hmm. um, and there was just no movement from the mm -hmm. UK government to actually do anything. I mean, other countries clearly dragged had, into, yes. had been preparing for what yes. was coming. Yes. And this it seemed to become a yes. surprise to the UK government. Mm -hmm. And well. like the Afghans like Sudan, I mean, the Ukrainians should be able to plan for their futures. Mm -hmm. But given what we've seen in these other countries, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't until you're talking a matter of weeks, probably before the deadline for an extension to, to leave to remain for the Ukrainian families before mm -hmm. it'll actually cross the minds mm -hmm. of this yeah. government, you know? And you just wonder, how can anyone plan anything for their mm -hmm. future if they just have such a level of uncertainty about whether, where they can even live, let alone exactly. what they'll be able to do while they're here. So, yeah. I mean, with regard to the, you know, what you're saying about them appearing to be asleep at the wheel or, or you know, unaware of, of the growing situation that was clearly there and other countries did seem to be aware of, you wonder if the big cuts to embassy staff and, mm. and diplomatic staff may have mm -hmm. had something. I don't know the situation um, there, but... Uh, it seems to me that that mm -hmm. must be having an effect in terms of their intelligence. No, I think it yeah, absolutely mm -hmm. has to have a, mm -hmm. a knock-on effect yeah. from there. So. Mm -hmm. I suppose, I mean, moving on, sort of closer, closer to home, certainly for myself and Drew, one of the big issues that's come up recently again is this cuts to rural services. I, just particularly banks and post offices. Mean, we've seen, yeah. we've seen yeah. banks over the years withdraw from villages mm -hmm. and towns. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, it's difficult to find one, but now... Because of the underinvestment in uh, post offices, the, the failure, ab abject failure for them to put anything in place, they were now seeing post offices starting to disappear at an alarming rate. Mm -hmm. And then, don't forget, they were the they were the, the institutions that were supposed to take over. They for were the, the exactly. That's yes. right. Yes. They were the they were the fallback position. Mm -hmm. It was like mm -hmm. you know, to saying to folk in Inverary or mm. wherever, oh, don't worry. You know, when your bank closes or your three banks all close, mm. you'll have your post office. Mm -hmm. You know, and all over. Mm. Highlands, Islands and other parts of Scotland, the post offices are, are disappearing mm. now. So where is that service going to be provided from? And mm. you know, because there is a a gap in that rural connectivity and also that, you know, cosmopolitan aging population um in, in, in the Highlands and Islands, you know, there is a, a deficit there. Yeah. So yeah, there's a problem I don't think it's been remotely uh, addressed. Very, you'll, very you'll, have, you'll have this issue in as well. In yeah, because despite being so close to the city and in parts of Midlothian, there's still vast rural areas. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the just the sort of abandonment of the banks um, and an assumption that people can easily travel into Edinburgh, yeah. that's not always going to be the case, mm -hmm. especially when you see pressure on bus services, as we currently are seeing in Midlothian, Midlothian buses mm -hmm. making some changes that 
just TV. make very little sense and mm. sort of first reading of it. Mm. Um, but again, it's how do we make sure that all communities can be connected, can have access to services? Because mm. not everybody's going to be able to go online. Because actually, some of the communities that we're talking about needing access to banks and post offices are the very same communities who probably are mm. having trouble getting access to high speed broadband, mm -hmm. yeah. um, which would make it even if they wanted to, they, yeah. they, they can't necessarily do it the way that they're being talked yeah. to by the banks. And yeah, and yeah I think they're just we just there's a responsibility. I think and um, some of these because they are big companies mm -hmm. certainly the banks to actually look after their customers they're well, so I, focused on shareholders that they forget well, the I, never tire, I never tire of pointing out that when the banks needed the public <laughs> the public had to come in and support yeah. the banks to stop mm. them going to the wall mm. when the public need the banks are nowhere to be seen yeah. Uh, yeah. with it the, of course the UK government's big idea is banking hubs which I actually support I think yeah. it's, it's not a bad idea at all I prefer that they properly paid postmasters and yeah. made sure that they, they had sustainable businesses because that would be you've got an existing infrastructure there they can use but these banking hubs that they've come up with they've rolled out four mm. <laughs> the whole across the nations yeah, right. of the UK I think there's about four I stand to be corrected but I'm sure it is not much more than that if it is yeah. but uh, last uh, last reading I, I found there was four of them uh, yeah. with it so it's just following again we talked about it following it's looked at the wheel I'm not even sure it's that it, it just seems to be an intention to uh, to, to crash the car so that they can claim the insurance. Mm -hmm. They and, just don't care. I honestly don't think they care. Yeah. I mean, they, they talk a good game. We've discussed this a lot at mm. the Scottish Affairs Committee, actually, uh, and done reports on it. And, mm. you know, it just felt as if there's a lot of words there mm -hmm. and a yeah. lot of assurances and then it all just starts falling apart yeah. and mm -hmm. you know even things like putting cash access points in stores but mm -hmm. stores have closing times yeah. and you can't access it at that so one example that was given to us mm -hmm. on the committee was mm -hmm. what if you're a parent and your child comes to you and says mm -hmm. oh I've got to go to you know, school mm -hmm. outing tomorrow I need some cash yeah. I need mm -hmm. to hand that to the teacher and mm -hmm. And, you know, they weren't able to access that because the store's closed and, they, you know, it, mm. it just... And they could take, on this reserved issue, they could take action and yeah. decide to actually say, look, we are, the policy is that we'll have these hubs or the policy is that we'll support mm. uh, postmasters and give them proper pay and services. They could choose to do that. They've chosen not to do that. Mm. And, and you know, and, and it, it is incredibly frustrating and really, I think, very dangerous mm. for rural communities. What Deirdre said is absolutely spot on about... You you know, they, they have, you know, they, they talk a good game yeah. and they talk about their social responsibility, but everything, everything comes back to the bottom line. Mm -hmm. And if it's not profitable, it's not turning a profit, it's not making money for shareholders, then it's deemed to be broken yeah. and it'll go. And that's where we are. That, that's where we, as Jesse, that's where we're headed. Yeah. That's where we are. Yeah. And that's why all of these institutions are you know all these big companies are shutting down all of these post offices yeah. all of these banks that's why they're all disappearing it's because there is no social responsibility attached mm -hmm. to it mm -hmm. it doesn't make money it's deemed to be a failure mm -hmm. and that's a culture unfortunately that's i mean they're just all saying well everyone's moving online well that's fine except mm -hmm. in you know large parts of the highlands mm -hmm. where we still because of the topographical issues up there have have mm -hmm. issues with um, getting broadband mm -hmm. to, to people to a point where they can you know access their online mm -hmm. banking and do all the sorts of things that 
uh, banks seem to think that they should be doing right now. But mm. um, so you know, those rural rural issues continue to be a a, a, a problem. But you know, mm. but I think they they seep into town. The the other thing that's happening at Westminster is that Tory and Labour MPs are now running away from the Parliament as we're speaking just now because they want to get back into their constituencies for the last uh, few hours of campaigning for the local elections. Mm. And these are the first ones where we've seen voter ID mm. uh, brought in. Yeah. Um, and uh, is it necessary? Do we need voting ID? No. I mean, the amount of uh, fraud that was going on at uh, elections. I mean, I, I sat through some of the elections bill. You were on that, weren't you? I was. Um, so you'll be able to talk about it in great depth, I'm sure. But um, it was just quite striking how mm. little fraud there'd been in the past. And mm. yet the Tories were using this as a reason to come up with it. And, and you know, you do get concerned because it was very much uh, something that featured in uh, Republic or well, in the elections in America. Mm -hmm. um, everyone had great concerns about the misuse um, yeah. of voter ID. And I think it's, well, it's going to be very mm -hmm. interesting, uh, obviously, with general election coming up well, the, the, to see how this will... Yeah. Well, this is Trans for Westminster elections and English and Welsh elections, but not for uh, Scottish elections. No, yeah, so, no. so for UK general elections, is really the only time that Scottish voters yes, will that's need right. it. Yep. So you'll have Holyrood elections, you'll have council, council, council elections. elections yeah. You won't need it for, no. for them, but you will need it for... Um, Westminster, Westminster general yeah. elections, and mm -hmm. you know it, it, the, the dogs in the street know that this is politically motivated. Yeah. It was a so, solution in desperate search of a problem. Yeah, um, it was. And it'll be interesting, as I said right at the beginning. Come tomorrow when and the analysis is done mm -hmm. of of voter turnout and who did vote and who mm -hmm. didn't vote. You know, will it be mission accomplished for the Tories? Yeah, yeah I mean, I think uh, something like there was only something like seven allegations. That was in England. In England, in England. Yeah. Yeah. Was in, uh, one councillor of Tower Hamlets, I think, is the one that they forever go back to. Like, that. Those allegations, how many convictions were there? I'm not aware of there any evidence. Even evidence. I'm not found. aware of there being any. Any. Uh, no evidence. Whatsoever. No evidence whatsoever. Yeah. So it, it is bizarre. I mean, yeah, I think when we get out the other side of this, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what impact turnout is. I mean, there's a number of things that could affect that. I'll, yeah. I'll, Give them that, you know, you can see sure. it won't be just about voter ID, but oh, yeah. I think last count only four percent of the yeah. eligible voting population had actually signed up for, for the, the government's ID mm -hmm. uh, card. So there'll be millions of people that are disenfranchised. Um, some folk will have other forms of ID. Yeah. So I mean that, again, I'm trying to be as mm -hmm. fair as possible, mm -hmm. but that yeah, there will still be millions of people who are going to be left at least with no ID. Two. And yeah. there's even been claims in some areas mm -hmm. of uh unspoken it probably would have to be unofficial election mm -hmm. electors are getting distributed in predominantly labour supporting mm -hmm. areas yeah. telling electors that they didn't need to have mm -hmm. voter ID with them oh, now yeah, of course. I can't imagine who would have tried <laughs> to do something like that <laughs> yeah. who does that benefit I wonder political party that's Follow the money. Fall, <laughs> form, has form and dirty tricks like that yeah. however yeah. That, yeah. that has happened mm -hmm. and I mean we're very lucky I guess that in Scotland we don't have to have this mm. yet mm. but it is but going we to will be have it for the UK and, I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, I think we're going to, there will need to be an assessment. And I know that I'm on the Speaker's Committee for the Electoral mm -hmm. Commission, and it's something that's been looked at. And But there are vast amounts of money being put into yeah. actually yeah. introducing the scheme right. for voter ID. Yeah. They have to come and ask for more money to further advertise it yeah. because uptake was so low. Yeah. Um, and what appeared to be a mad panic by the government. So yeah. 
I think at the end of this, it'll be really interesting to do an analysis of what actually was the cost per person to sign up for voter yeah, ID. Yeah, there absolutely. is a significant cost. Oh, a massive cost. Millions, millions of pounds. Many millions. Many millions. But there also might be an issue around data collection because I was reading, this is a social media, suggesting mm. that in some areas at least, that meters and greeters will be at the front of polling stations and as people go in say mm. have you got proper id yeah. and if you haven't oh well you can't vote you're gonna to have to go back mm. and and i think you know it's been shown that people once they've been told mm -hmm. that tend to just go and not not mm -hmm. go back to their flat and get the correct id or whatever yeah. um and then within the polling station then uh, there, uh, some sort of record will be kept of people who have not had the correct mm -hmm. id but if yeah. they've already been turned away so that doesn't appear on exactly. the data then mm. and, and then on the other no, side of it if yeah. you're voting by post you don't need id yeah uh, obviously there's an alternative verification there mm -hmm. but you don't need id if you're voting by post mm. and it might be chance but there's a particular party who have introduced voter id have uh, mm -hmm. particularly traditionally at least mm -hmm. done very well from postal votes Indeed. so yeah. i'm mm -hmm. sure yes. it's just chance that that's yeah. the case yeah. but, uh, yeah. well it'd be interesting to see the outcome of that yes i suppose time has caught with us unfortunately mm -hmm. folks but uh, all remains to say a huge huge thank you to both owen and deirdre for joining us and sharing your thoughts it's been a, a pleasure as always <laughs> and thank you to all of you for listening to this westminster roundup uh, from scotland's choice uh, join us next time and of course if you want to find other episodes of Scotland's Choice, you can find them at scotlandschoice.scot. See you next time.